It's time for the number one talk show of Eastern Connecticut and Southern Rhode Island. The Stu Breyer Potpourri Talk Show on 1310 WICH. Now, here's Stu Breyer. Morning, everybody. Welcome to our program, WICHAMNFM. We're going to start things off with a very important guest this morning. And his name is uh, Gregory Whitestone. He is the executive director of the COT Coalition out of Arlington. Hi, Greg. Welcome to WICH. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to have you with us here today. I, our phone dropped. Maybe it's because of climate change. I'm not sure. So, Greg, Might you're the executive director of the CO2 Coalition. We want to talk about these fires in Canada. I also want to talk about um, things that a lot of us are wondering about. What is real? What is politics? First of all, tell us about the CO2 Coalition and what exactly is the definition of CO2? Well, we'll start with CO2. That's ca- carbon dioxide, which is uh, it's one carbon atom and two oxygen atoms. It's a fundamental building block for all of life. Uh, of course, we can't live without it. Photosynthesis, uh, it's a principal building block for plants. Uh, plants use carbon dioxide... Uh, and it's really basically plant food in the process of photosynthesis, uh, combining water, sunlight, and then they use that to turn carbon dioxide into the useful sugars and proteins and the building blocks of, of the crops that we rely on and the forests and all the grasses. Uh, and the CO2 Coalition, uh, we're the preeminent scientific organization pushing back against this notion of man-made catastrophic warming. Uh, We've got some uh, 130 of the top scientists in the world. In fact, we just added uh, Dr. John Clauser to our board of directors. You've probably never heard of him, but he was the 2022 Nobel laureate in physics. Uh, And in fact, he's notable for having gone two months ago, invited to the White House to be honored and he told Joe Biden to his face, he said, you, your, your science or your, your climate change and your energy policies are not grounded in firm science. Uh, what's funny, Joe Biden looked right at him and he says, that's just right-wing science. Mm-hmm. It's not right-wing. There's, there's science and there's, there's real science and then there's misinformation that's being spewed. Uh, so I'm, I'm very proud to lead this uh, really notable organization uh, we stick with the science and try and stay away from the politics, although it's hard to do in this subject matter. Uh, we try mightily to do that. It's hard to do with anything these days with politics. So there's really, uh, when you hear CO2, CO2, there's really nothing, there's not a negative side to it. Is that correct? Or? Well, what they're arguing is that CO2 is driving, it's a greenhouse gas, and it is, uh, and it's driving warming to levels that are unprecedented. We've never seen... Uh, temperatures this high ever. Well, it's just not, that's not true. Um, it, it is true that we're in a warming trend. Uh, the warming trend started more than 300 years ago, long before we, we started adding much CO2 to the atmosphere. Bear in mind that uh, carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere really started escalating uh, in that post-World War II economic boom in the mid-20th century. Uh, so if we're going to see any CO2-driven warming. It would be that period from 1950 to now. Uh, and we just don't see that represented. Uh, we, we look back through time. Uh, there's really 
no good correlation at all between carbon dioxide levels and temperature. So they're saying the problem with their, their main problem with carbon dioxide is it's driving uh, warming that's leading to horrific uh, temperature changes in heat waves. Uh, and Stu, you'll be interested to know we're doing a series of state and regional studies. Uh, we've done Pennsylvania. We've we've done Virginia. I just finished handed off the final version of Midwest and climate uh, uh, for editing and and formatting. Uh, we're moving on next to Arkansas and Texas, and then after that, we're going to get to New England. Uh, and what we do is look at the temperature specific data. We look at temp. And so it'll be fascinating to see what we find for New England, which we is very similar. I'm sure what we're going to find uh, that we've seen throughout the United States is that heat waves peaked back in the 1920s and 30s and have been declining ever since. Uh, we're also seeing that we we see longer growing seasons. Uh, the the low temperatures that we see in the winter time are uh, are higher. Again, that that's a good thing, unless you love really, really cold weather. Um, but again, that's leading to lengthening growing seasons, uh, which means we can grow more crops, more plantings. Uh, so that modest warming uh, is being turbocharged by increased CO2 levels. Um, we've increased CO2 from 280 parts per million to 420 today about a 50% increase uh, of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and plants love it. Uh, we're seeing global greening uh, on every niche, of, through every niche you look at across the Earth's, sur- Earth's surface, um, from the near polar regions to the equator. Uh, life and plants are flourishing. Uh, and we see, too, that almost by almost every metric we look at, uh, life is getting better. Uh, again, we're feeding more people today than we have ever before. Um, there's a lot that goes into the advances in agriculture. It's technology. Uh, but also a big part of that is modest warming combined with more CO2, driving plant growth. Uh, we should celebrate that. And we do celebrate uh, the benefits of carbon dioxide. And our, our motto here at the CO2 Coalition, we've, we, I kind of like it. It's that we love CO2 and so should, so should you. Uh, we have some fun with that. Uh, also, we see that uh, warming temperatures are, are alleged to be killing lots of people. But the fact of the matter is cold kills 15 to 20 times as many people as do heat. We look at temperature-related mortality. Um, so we can make a case, actually can make a case, we can state categorically that global warming saves lives. Uh, it just does. So, Gregory, largest, it's amazing because uh, the, the things that we are hearing on the other side of how you feel about this, I mean, the, the way ice is melting and, uh, I mean, it's scaring the heck out of young people and everybody. Uh, is it that they don't want to know some of the other opinions uh, like yours or they this is strictly a, a political movement what do you really think I think you're asking to put it bluntly why are they lying to us and and Stu I 
I can't see inside men's and women's souls to see what their motivation is. Mm-hmm. As a scientist, I can look at the, and it's my job as a scientist to say, okay, this is what they're saying, and here's what the facts are that dispute what they're saying. And we see it time and time and time again, from sea level rise to forest fires to floods, droughts, uh, you, you name it. It's just, it's just, there's, there's, it's, it's mass disinformation. Uh, you and everyone in your listening audience is just as qualified as I am to say why they're doing it. Uh, is it control? Is it is it funding? Is, is it uh, they want to tear down Western society? Uh, I think those these are all the end products that we're seeing. They want to tell you what kind of car to drive, what kind of dishwasher to buy, how much water comes out of your shower head. Um, it just it, there's. It's getting worse and worse and worse by the week. And we're my, pushing back against it. Is it my imagination? Because, you know, you're, you're, you're hearing it so much that we are having more catastrophic weather events now than ever, and they're uh, connecting it to this climate change, or is this something that's cyclical, or it's the same? No, actually, severe weather uh, is, is declining uh, we just looked at the MDAT database. Uh, they claimed a five-fold increase in in, in uh, natural disasters. Well, the five-fold increase that this UN report claimed was from the period from 1980 to the year 2000. And there wasn't that there were more more uh, events. It's that they were building out the reporting network. And since 2000. We've seen a 10% decline since they got the, the network built out. So what they reported was uh, an increase in reporting of disasters, not, not actual uh, events happening. Uh, we also see that uh, there's been a more than 90% decline in severe weather-related deaths. More than a 90%. De- that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, no, there's, these things are, are being reported. Uh, no matter what happens, they're tying it to climate change. Uh, and that's why it sure seems like they're they're happening more often. Uh, we also know that, for example, forest fires worldwide, global fires are definitely in significant decline, and it's it's partly due to to the combination of warming and more CO two. Uh, warming means there's more precipitation, so the uh, the aridity that's needed for forest fires, wildfires is is dampened. Uh, CO two means plants need less water. So there's more water left in the soil for higher soil moisture content. Um, the Canadian fires uh, are big this year. We had an unusual occurrence of of the right uh, system with the air being pushed down with winds into the United States. Um, but this has happened dozens of times, dating back, we know, at least to 1720. Uh, the earliest settlers uh, were documenting these what they called dark days. Probably the worst was... Of the, in the year 1780, May 19, 1780, they called it the darkest day, where people had to light candles uh, in the middle of the day uh, to see. Uh, so these things, these things happen. Um, thank God they don't happen too uh, too often, and they're not very common. Uh, but they do happen, and it has nothing to do with climate change. Uh, in fact, the Canadian fires. If you look at their website, they have a great chart there showing. The Canadian fires have been declining, not increasing. Uh, the area burned in Canada averages 
two and a half million hectares per year. Uh, it's likely we make it up to four or five million this year. Is so probably going to be a, a high number of, of acres burned. But last year was very low, and 2020 was historically low. So, you know, was climate change driving low number of area burned in those years, and it's driving more area burned this year? No. Um, it has nothing to do with it. Uh, and also the Canadian Forestry Service, if you go to their website on their home page, they state, and you'll be surprised when I say when I see that when I when I tell you this, they state that fire is just as important to a healthy forest as as our water and sunlight. Fire is just as important as water and sunlight to a healthy forest. That's from the Canadian Forest Service. That's what they tell you. Uh, and so they, they do lots of controlled burns uh, to get it's something that they they believe in strongly. I'm glad you brought um, that up because a listener brought that up the other day, and I had never heard of that. They actually start burning, and uh, that helps control it, correct? Yeah. Yeah, what, well, they do it, it. What The Canadian fires are different from a lot of people think about California, and those fires crop up at the in late summer and early fall. Uh, in Canada, they start in, in the spring, and that's because the snowpack is a lot different from from California. The, when the snowpack recedes in April and early May, it it exposes all the dried grass and brush from the year before that have been covered with ice and snow for many months. Uh, and there's a several-week period there where that grass and brush uh, dries out, and it's just waiting for a spark. It's just it's just tinder. Uh, waiting for a spark, uh, and that's why we have the, the peak fire season in Alberta, for example, is in May. Uh, June is the second highest month for all of Canada for fires. So it's a little bit, it's, it's not a little bit, it's a lot different from western wildfires. Uh, it's the spring fire season that we see uh, because of that. And once once the spring rains come and the, re, the new growth sets in, it's very difficult uh, to set a fire. And again, these aren't forest fires, Stu. These are these are grass and brush fires. The trees themselves are that we saw are not being consumed, uh, and that's an important thing to note. And as the fire sweeps through, these conifers drop; they drop their cones, and fire is needed for the cones to spread their seeds to open up. And so, fire is an integral part of continuing the next generations of trees. Uh, to, to grow. This is fascinating. I'm glad that you did send me that uh, that uh, list of fires that you mentioned it goes back to 1706. You know, and we talk, and I, I try to this program. We try to get as close to the truth as we possibly can. But we always hear about this uh, first global warming, then climate change. Every time it got cold, it went to climate change instead of uh, global warming. But we had an ice age. In fact, there's videos from. Not that long ago when uh, there was predictions that we were going in the other direction and things were getting colder, and uh, there's actual video of that. It gets very frustrating. Well, and you're talking about, this is one of the conundrums we have about, they're they're saying CO2 is driving warming. Okay, what happened? Remember I said the mid-20th century, post-World War II, we started adding a lot of CO2. Just as we started adding CO2 to the atmosphere, we went into a 33-year cooling period, and that lasted from the mid-40s to the late 70s. Hmm. And that's when I went to school, 
and it sure looked like we were going into another little ice age or you know we had 33 years of cooling and and then it started warming up in 1978-79 really 1979 uh, we went into a warming trend that looks like it ended about 1998 uh, but but yeah so so how do we explain more co2 and cooling temperatures well, they don't they can't explain it um, they, they just ignore it if it doesn't fit fit the model hmm. uh, they ignore it and they need to shut people like me up well they've done a good job of it because you know they you see a lot of college students riled up and um, sometimes they don't really uh, check some of their background do you find Gregory that uh, they wouldn't let you on certain TV shows or interviews because you have a different point of view or are they have an open mind to hear yours oh absolutely I, yeah, I'm banned they're they, I mean, they state flatly, uh, most of the major networks, uh, all of them actually uh, have a ban against anyone that promotes uh, skeptical science because they state that the, the there is no debate. The debate is settled, and it's settled science. Uh, there's a consensus, and anybody that disagrees with them is just a, a science denier. And, in fact, we were we we in March we went to the National Science Teaching Association convention. Uh, Fourteen thousand people were there. We had a double booth promoting our scientific data, and we actually had a publication that was called "Challenging the NSTA's uh, Position on on Climate Change," where we just absolutely destroyed what they had to say. Uh, people were flocking to our booth for our materials, for lesson plans, for our informational booklets. The second day, they kicked us out. They had security come, and they forcibly removed me and the three women that were with me. Bear in mind, the three women were all PhDs. Uh, one's nano, one of the top nanotechnology experts in the world. And so they kicked us out of the National Science Teaching Association because we criticized their science. And that's not how science works. Science should be an open debate. Yeah, everything um, should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Richard Feynman famously said, I'd rather have uh, questions that can't be answered than, than answers that can't be questioned. Uh, and, that, and that's the truth. We need, to, we need to promote this. That's what we were doing at the National Science Teaching Association's convention. We were pushing and advocating for the scientific method and critical thinking skills, not critical race theory. Um, and they didn't like it. They did not like anyone promoting critical thinking or the scientific process. And this is very similar to the COVID propaganda where they didn't want to hear the other side. And uh, now we're learning, even more recently, that some of the things that people were saying are ridiculous and how can they say, are, are coming true, that the other side really was correct in a lot of things. And it's very similar. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we're seeing that. Uh, we're doing focus groups right now on that, and that's what we're finding is that uh, prior to COVID, the vast majority of people just uh, assumed the experts were right. If you're if you're an expert on this this or that, well, he must know what he or she might must know what he or she's talking about. Uh, after not so after COVID, uh, people are skeptical people are leery of anybody being called an expert and they should be uh, they've been they've been shown to be wrong uh, we try and st- 
I hate to talk about COVID. My wife gets all twisted off about it. But, oh, yeah. but with us, we try and stick we try and stick to the science and stick to climate change. But but you're right. The similarities of of the misinformation and disinformation for both climate change and COVID are are striking. Really, I think there's a part of us when we are totally wrong and we're not ever perfect, and no one is that uh, we just will never admit that. Uh, Gee, I got this wrong. And the number one thing was what should be the best for the American people. So I remember growing up with really hot summers, and uh, then things really cooled off in the summer. And I'm so grateful when we have warm winters. And then I, I'm made to feel guilty. Hey, you know, that's not good. <laughs> so they, they got us spinning like a top. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, don't worry. You'll be having cold winters soon enough. Uh, hopefully, not too soon, uh, because what we know, history tells us that uh, warming events throughout Earth's and human history are hugely beneficial uh, to mankind and and humankind and humanity. It's the cold periods that were horrific, um, just devastating. Each of the cold periods were associated with crop failure, famine, pestilence, and mass depopulation. Uh, just the opposite of what we're being told. We're being told fear the heat. No, no, no. History tells us fear the cold. It's because the cold was, was horrific in every single case. Uh, the other previous warm periods, the the Minoan, the Roman, and the medieval warm periods were, were wonderful. Bountiful harvests, huge amounts of food, uh, and, and life was good. Uh, it was the, you know, empires and civilizations arose and so you know if you were emperor during a warm period you know emperor stew would i think you'd make a good emperor by the way but thank you very much uh, you know i appreciate it yeah yeah i can tell you're that kind of guy <laughs> and um so uh, you'd make a great emperor but if it started getting cold emperor stew would be in trouble because you couldn't feed your subjects because we'd crop failure and that's what we saw time and time again that as long as your subjects are happy and well fed you're good you can't feed them starvation they're bringing the pitchforks and coming after you and we saw a civilizational collapse and empires collapse uh, during the advent of these colder periods uh, probably the most impressive I don't know if you call it impressive but the greatest example of that was at the end of the Bronze Age it was called the Late Bronze Age Collapse you know, the first great civilizations rose up during that great warm period. Uh, the Hittites, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Harappan civilization in the Indus River Valley. Uh, all these civilizations rose up and empires grew, and then it started getting cold quickly, and that led to what was called the Late Bronze Age Collapse, where worldwide all these great empires fell at about the same time. Uh, and then it was, that led to the Greek Dark Ages, the period of cold. And we really don't know much about that time because civilization went away. Uh, there was not much written about that time. And then it didn't get better until the Roman warm period. Uh, and the Romans took advantage of the warm weather. Their, their uh, breadbasket was actually Egypt and North Africa. And... Uh, which is quite a bit different from today. So is it safe to say that really 
things are just cyclical when it comes to the weather. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, we've seen these cycles, uh, mm-hmm. again, warming and cooling for sure. And there are bigger cycles, too. Where right now, glacial advances are on a 100,000-year cycle uh, with 10 to 15,000-year interglacial warming like we're in right now. Uh, the warming trend that we're in is we've been in this period for about 11,000 years, so we're, we're nearing yeah, the end started, of that. Yeah. Hmm. So we hear, um, you know, we're going crazy with electric cars that not too many people can afford right now, and we're blaming uh, cow flatulence, and I heard a horrible thing in England. They're killing the cows because of that. Uh, Where do they come up with this? Well, it's because of this methane is a a greenhouse gas, and they're saying it's contributing to global warming. Well, it's vanishingly small, the warming effect it has. In fact, we published a paper uh, last year called Methane and Climate uh, by uh, Dr. Richard Lenzen, Emeritus Professor of Physics from MIT, uh, where he looked at, at, the, at the warming effect of methane. Uh, and it's, it's, it's incredibly small. They're also demonizing nitrous oxide and nitrogen fertilizers. Uh, which is going to lead to worldwide famine and starvation if they get rid of that. Nitrogen fertilizer is responsible for huge amounts of crop growth, so dating back to the 1920s and 30s when they figured out how to make it. Well, you give me a lot to think about. I know that um, cows having gas is not new in this uh, 21st century, so I guess we've gotten along pretty well with that for years. So I question a lot of things. I'm so glad to have you on. Let me just... uh, There are some networks that do have open minds. I hope they have open arms to you of going on their shows. Do they? No. No? Not even that? Nope. 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 I'm persona non grata. Uh, They need to silence me. They they state flatly they won't have anyone like me on because the science is settled. In fact, I'm... Uh, I, I've been banned permanently from LinkedIn. Uh, I posted, I'm a scientist. I, I provide peer-reviewed science. That's what I was putting out on LinkedIn. Uh, and my very last post, I had posted something on uh, CO2 levels throughout Earth's history. They were knocking everything down. I posted as false and misleading. My very last post on LinkedIn, I said, I think I'm about to be banned and deplatformed by LinkedIn. They took that post down, called it false and misleading, and then banned and deplatformed me. Well, they were now doing the same. Funny. Yeah, they were doing the same thing with COVID. They were banning people who had different points of view on the vaccines and whatever, and uh, now proving that uh, a lot of these people are right. But even an open-minded uh, network like Fox would not do an interview with you. Oh, well, Fox will. Yeah, okay. uh, I've been on Fox for a while. Yeah, Fox uh, has had me on before. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, that's uh, you know one one American news Newsmax, but but the main media they avoid me like the plague. So, Greg, uh, where can we get more information on it? It's nice to hear your side of it, and uh, I think people need to have an open mind on a lot of things and get all the facts. So we appreciate you coming on. Anything, any uh, place we can go get more information from you? Yeah, go. 
go to CO2Coalition.org, CO2Coalition.org. Uh, if you like some educational videos for your children, go to CO2 Learning Center YouTube. Uh, we've got a new website that will be released hopefully next week uh, of educational material. Uh, so, Or buy my book, Inconvenient Facts, uh, recently a number one bestseller on Amazon, Inconvenient Facts. And if you don't want to pay the exorbitant Amazon prices, you can buy directly from me at inconvenientfacts.xyz. Inconvenientfacts.xyz, you said? Yes. <clears throat> okay. For people with, excuse me, for people with an open mind, I hope that they will check it out if they haven't uh, read your books. So, Gregory, it's a pleasure to speak with you and keep up the good work. Thank you. Because everybody needs to hear both sides. And I get very suspicious when they block out another point of view. Makes me very suspicious. So, thanks, Gregory. Thank you. Have a great day. Appreciate it.